3: Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47 new voicemails.
3: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: So we've turned the calendar to 2022, and that means it's time for us investors to make New Year's resolutions. And conditions have really changed. We've seen movement in Fed policy We've seen an uptick in Treasury yields. Things that worked in 2021 may not work in 2022. So let's take a look at how to maximize financial markets in the new year. I'm Andy Gersher. This is Gains. So we're going to bring on Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital here in Chicago. For the Gaines listeners, this is Jack's first time on the Gaines podcast, a regular on the WBBM Noon Business Hour, one of my go-to stock market investment guys. So, uh, Jack, glad to have you on the Gaines podcast. Hey,
4: thanks, Andy. Happy New
2: Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. And speaking of New Year, we're talking about new year resolutions and things uh advice for investors as we kick off 2022 here you know if you've listened to the noon business hour you're very familiar with jack ablin if you've uh you know been following business in chicago he's uh you know a prominent commentator on markets and that kind of thing. So, but Jack, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself for the for the gains listeners and kind of the lens you bring the conversation from.
4: Sure. So, um, I'm probably one of the older guests that you have. I've been in the investment business since the early to mid 1980s. Uh, I have a math and computer background and started as a mortgage-backed securities trader. So, I've always always brought that kind of quantitative side of things to my thinking Um, then by early 1990s I managed an asset allocation fund and really started getting into macro because I realized that if I could just figure out how much to do put in bonds versus stocks uh, it would have much more impact than just trying to beat the S&P on one side and beat the bond market on the other so um, that's really when I started focusing on macro uh, about four years ago, I helped start, uh, three other guys and I started Crescent Capital uh, in the fourth quarter of 2017. Prior to that, I was 17 years at, at BMO. I was the chief investment officer. Uh, and uh, we started uh, Crescent in uh, be- essentially the beginning of 2018 with zero assets under management. And we've grown dramatically to now nearly $22 billion uh, under management.
2: Wow, that's that's some impressive uh, growth in a in a very short amount of time. So Jack does bring a a very macro look at things. To just start the conversation off, what was the big trends that you were able to exploit in 2021, and how are things changing as we head? you know as as we kick off 2022 here uh i'll just leave you with one thing that comes to mind or or two things actually uh and i'm sure you probably can and pick up off of this fed policy is a big change and driver here uh as of late and i we've seen a uh, a little uptick in treasury yield so uh what other things are catching your eye and and i'll just have you kind of pick up there
4: sure I mean, I think it's all about the Fed. It's all about interest rates. And it's really all about interest rates relative to inflation. That's really the key driver uh, that's that's really fueling a lot of the risk-taking that's been going on, not just in 2021, but even back to 2020. Um, and, and so recognizing uh, that, you know, as we started to see, in, uh, inflation rise and the Fed pretty much just sitting on their hands most of last year. We recognized that the the differential between the overnight interest rate and inflation was widening out to a point where the interest rate was substantially below the inflation rate. And again, that's a, a, a fertile ground for risk-taking. Uh, and of course, we saw the result of that last year. Now it appears that the Fed is waking up, uh, that the, the quantitative easing, this $120 billion of monthly bond buying is will likely wind down pretty quickly. Uh, and um, Powell and company have uh, suggested that they could start to raise rates as early as the end of the first quarter. Uh, and so that has now moved to a, a different environment, is really what we'll call more of a Uh, tighter financial conditions for 2022 doesn't mean that the stock market has to drop or plunge. Uh, It just means that we have to sort of shift where we're going to take risk in the equity market.
2: Well, and and you kind of are speaking to uh, seeing a bit of rotation, especially at the beginning of the year here, uh, tech, you know, move away from tech. And and I, I want you to explain real quick, Jack, why we see Technology, for instance, really start getting roughed up when uh, you know this Fed policy has has changed. And explain why that is.
4: Sure. So um, your tech is considered, from a technical perspective, a long duration asset, meaning that the 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 value that you get in owning a tech stock. Really comes back to you over a much longer time frame because one is you know the price you're paying for a dollar of earnings is substantially higher the p e rate uh, ratio is much higher uh, and um but because the growth rate is high and it's generally more you know persistent uh then uh you have to really discount uh, earnings way out into the future to come up with the price the present value of all those cash flows. so what happens is it turns out that it becomes very sensitive to interest rates so all you have to do is raise interest rates just a little bit uh and the price uh for those kinds of assets long duration assets like that will drop a lot
2: you know you talked about how people are kind of shunning technology where where do they you generally opt to go to when they do make that shift and explain the reasoning behind that?
4: Sure. So let's assume that interest rates, you know, rise, but we we're going to assume they're not going to have to rise by that much in order to really turn inflation around and and also trend growth back to what we'll call a pre pandemic growth rate, which is in the you know call it the two percent range. Um, so what we want to do is focus on sectors where the P.E. ratios are a lot lower or, to turn it around a different way, the earnings yield is a lot higher. Uh, and maybe there's a dividend component, too. So, for example, you know, if we take tech as an example, if we look at forward earnings yield plus the dividend, all all in for 2022, we're looking at 5.1 percent. Not very appealing Considering if we look at, uh, for example, financials, uh, if we look at the earnings yield, which, of course, because the P.E. rate is a lot lower, plus a pretty healthy dividend, we're looking at 10.4%. So just from that perspective, I would, at least for this year anyway, as financial conditions are tightening, I would rather uh, own financials uh, than tech.
2: By the way, I mean, the banks have really uh – come around a little bit. You know, just looking at the banks, uh, I'll, I'll pick one here, JP Morgan. You have these banks that are going to benefit from higher interest rates. And then, you know, JP like a, a JP Morgan, you have a bank that's going to benefit higher interest rates, looking for maybe growth on a price there, and then it throws a bit of a a, a dividend on top of that. So you see that banks and and and, and that kind of thing would be much to do much better than some of these high growth stocks that have still are still way way higher than they were a year or two ago.
4: Yeah, and that's it. I would say let's you know let's take a real big picture look back. Let's look at the ten year history between 2010 and 2020. And, you know, if you're an investor in equities, really there are only three ways you can derive return, right? There's through the earnings, there's the dividend, and then there's valuation expansion or contraction, right? The P.E. rate that you bought it at, you know, all of a sudden gets wider, so now you benefit from that. If you look back at the 10-year history between 2010 and 2020, the S&P returned about 270 percentage points cumulatively, Interestingly, earnings and dividends collectively only contributed 100 percentage points to that move. In fact, valuation expansion was was responsible for 170 percentage points of that 270% move. Wow. Meaning that valuations because interest rates came down and and interest rates relative to inflation came down that allowed the, the P.E. ratios to widen and that valuation figure to really benefit uh, equity holders for that period. Now that inflation is you know, high but falling and interest rates will slowly rise, that differential between interest rates and, and inflation will narrow. And that means we certainly won't have valuation expansion. It's possible we could have some valuation compression, but let's take valuation compression off the table, meaning that we now have to rely just on earnings and dividends. And that's really why I like the low P.E. stuff and the high dividend yields for 2022 and maybe even 2023. We'll have to see how the the Fed uh, strategy plays out.
2: Okay, so we're going to leave it there real quick. We have to take a commercial break. Be sure to subscribe follow and leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts if that's a possibility you'll really be doing me a solid and then as always subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new gains episode drops we are back next tuesday so let's take a quick commercial break we'll be back with jack ablin chief investment officer crescent capital on the other side of the break All right, we're back with Jack Avalon, Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital here in Chicago. Jack, real quick, uh, before we get back into the conversation, um, you know, I, I did my plugs before we went to commercial break. You know, we always bring you on as Chief Investment Officer, Crescent Capital. Are there any plugs, additional plugs, websites, anything that you want to plug before we get back into our conversation?
4: Well, um, Obviously, com. certainly come by there, and uh, you can read our research, sign up for uh, receiving my research, and also Twitter, at Jack Ablin.
2: All right, so we'll uh, be sure to check out the website and follow uh, Jack Ablin on Twitter. Uh, what was that uh, Twitter handle again, Jack?
4: It's just at Jack Ablin, J-A-C-K-A-B-L-I-N.
2: All right, cool. So uh, before the commercial break, uh, you know, we were t- talking about banks and how— they're actually in a good position. Some other areas wanted to talk about plays in the current environment as we've seen this shift. So what other areas of the market beyond banks are just poised to uh, do really well? Sure.
4: Um, let's take a look at utilities. Uh, if you look at forward earnings yield plus dividends, we're looking at about an 8.5%. Um, beyond that, we've got health care. Uh, which has a, a higher earnings yield, but it's also got a little dividend, too, 7.9%. And then we've got uh, consumer staples and industrials weighing in at around 7.6%. Um, the one area that has a very high uh, earnings yield and dividend is energy at 127 but I worry that tighter financial conditions are going to weigh on commodities, industrial commodities and energy in particular, uh, and so we're avoiding basic materials and energy for the time being.
2: In 2022, the the big yield dividends is that really is that the play? I mean, when you're looking at stocks right now, and and I've made this kind of shift. Uh, a lot of the gains, listeners, we know, we're heavy into crypto. We've traded the mean stocks. You know, I always say that I'm a degenerate risk taker, <laughs> and uh, you know, we've had a really monster year. I too have seen the shift. We've been talking about it on the GAINS podcast, and I have been making some moves. I've really backed off a of crypto. I've gotten out of a lot of the the tech names, and I myself at the beginning of the year are looking at some of these dividend things. Um, I've made the shift too, and I've just got you wanted to get your thoughts. Um, I've made the move to like the likes of like Altria. And mm-hmm. and I like tobacco. They're throwing a huge big industry or uh, dividend. Telecom uh, right. looks attractive right now. Some of those big dividends there. AT and T has a mm-hmm. big one. Verizon has a pretty decent one. I have one that the Lumen Technologies, which is a legacy company ticker on that L U M N, has a big dividend. A- as mentioned, because I'm a risk taker, I'm also delving into more of the riskier high-yield plays like Annalee Capital, Enterprise Product Partners, um, in the energy space, New Star Energy, Frontline Energy. Some of these throwing huge yields, and that makes them kind of attractive, but there's also a warning with uh, some of this as well, and I want you to address that. I mean, you see some of these these companies, some that I just mentioned here, throwing 8 9 10% dividend yields but but you also there's a warning there for for investors as well when you see that fat dividend yield
4: yeah that's it and it, it, you know 2021 was a was a year where um you know because int- because inflation went up and interest rates didn't um that differential widened and really any kind of risk taking at all was rewarded we saw crypto we saw meme stocks we saw anything uh, you know, and uh, that that went up, high yield bonds, the riskier, the better. Um, in an environment where the Fed is starting to clamp down and financial conditions are going to tighten, uh, you know, I would really focus more on kind of the bird in the hand strategy. And that's why we like these sectors that are, you know, have the earnings yield and the dividend yield. But at the same time, we really do have to focus on quality. Uh, and so, For that reason, um, you know, we really do want to play, you know, S&P 500, big, large cap, you know, a lot of the quality names, because we do think that quality will likely outperform junk uh, during the course of 2022.
2: And, uh, you know, I guess it's breaking the hearts of a lot of gains listeners, because all along we're talking about making tons of, you know, big gains in, you know, Lucid and the, you know, electric vehicle space and technology and the metaverse and all the cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, before we get into some of the plays that we're doing now, did you Jack and, and as an investor and, and a money manager, did you, did you play heavy in tech last year? And uh, have have you taken, you know, part in the crypto and some of this other stuff? Yeah, we
4: had it in play in crypto, but we certainly had a, Big tech exposure, and remarkably, we we also have a whole suite of thematic strategies that we have built. And and funny, uh, we had GameStop in one of our strategies. Went literally in a course of a few weeks, went from two and a half percent of the por- of the portfolio to twenty five percent of the portfolio before we rebalanced it back. So we and that and just explain you know, that
2: explain that real quick. The jump on the percentage all had to do with I assume you bought GameStop. Uh, because you probably liked it at the time, the the maybe the valuation or something like that. Then you had that squeeze play, and just the sheer increase of the stock caused that. Explain.
4: Yeah. So because it outperformed, I, I'm going to say it was probably a you know a 600 to 1200 percent move in about three weeks. It literally outperformed the rest of the portfolio to such a degree. L- like I said, it went from. Two and a half percent of the portfolio to twenty-five percent of the portfolio within like a month. Um, did you guys so, see that
2: squeeze play? Did you see the squeeze play coming, or did you just see? We good, did. Be- I
4: mean, it was really part of our, you know, next generation. Uh, consumer strategy that oh, okay. just happened to be, you know, it, it it kind of checked the boxes for us, uh, and uh, and we sort of, uh, you know, we sort of benefited from, um, you know, that squeeze play.
2: Oh, my gosh. Wow. Talk about a little bit of luck there, because, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of other names that, and, and, and actually, I'm going to back up real quick. Because you mentioned that's part of uh, what kind of part portfolio was that part of? It was a, a next generation consumer. So very you know, cool at, um, is was yeah, like the likes at, of like Roblox and some of these other uh, tech names exactly. in there. Exactly,
4: game you know the gaming stuff, uh, Meta stuff, yeah, you know, all of that we have uh, in the portfolios for our clients.
2: That's super interesting, and those are the kinds of inve- You know, a lot of the gains listeners are younger, more aggressive. Investors, some are new to this, some are our veterans, but um, that's those are the kind of stocks that we've been talking about. Those are the kind of categories. It does kind of break our heart to hear that that area is really not where it's going to be for a little bit. Well, here's my
4: point okay. you know, there's always an opportunity, and um, for you know, there are a couple of ways to look at and what we call what we're calling thematic, and we've got you know, cyber security, we've got robotics and ai we've got next generation transportation you know so there's a uh, alternative energy so there's a lot of uh, themes but we also have to recognize that this isn't a a, a theme you know the way it plays out is it's not something we're hoping to hit a home run in year 1 i mean this is a 15 year plus strategy we know that you know th- these themes are moving in that direction slowly and we just want to make sure we have all of the key players in that theme so that that's really the 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 notion there and you know to your other the other point about um out of favor doesn't mean you can't own it this year maybe what you do is you keep some dry powder and wait for it to drop um look for an entry point and then get in sometime during the course of the year so there's always an opportunity
2: do you dollar cost in and out of positions what's your play there
4: yeah, I mean, I, I would say depends on the market, depends on uh, valuation. You know, if, if I felt that the valuation was cheap, we would just, you know, go ahead and plunge into something and just buy it. Uh, if we felt that, you know, we had to put money to work and it was, you know, like a, a period right now, uh, we would take our time and, and dollar cost average into a position.
2: On the more aggressive side, now we're talking about plays. Uh, you've mentioned a couple sectors you mentioned utilities, you mentioned looking for some yield, uh, maybe not so crazy about oil right now for a variety of reasons. Uh, what's your play? What's your, your your play for investors, you know, the first half of the year?
4: <laughs> yeah, so um, I would say on the public market side, uh, we're you know, like I said, you know, we're gonna really just keep our heads down, look for quality, look look for a, a really solid dividend and, and just try to, you know, bunt out, you know, mid to high single digits this year in that kind of a strategy. Um, on the you know, but you know, keep in mind a lot of what we do at Crescent is private market stuff. Um, and so I f- I find fascinating some of the yield plays that we get on the private markets. And so you know we're buying music royalties, you know, we're buying life insurance settlements, um, litigation finance. So we're doing a lot of yield plays that aren't you know ne- necessarily ebb and flow with the economy. Uh, and that, there's there are a lot of fun things out there.
2: You know we're going to have to when we bring you back on in the future. I'm very interested. And I, I I just discovered a lot of things about Jack today because we usually have just really quick conversations, you know, before you go to the noon on the noon business hour, that kind of thing. I didn't realize that you were getting yield from some of these other places super interesting. And I also didn't know that you were so embedded in these themes. Give me one other theme that you like, that you're really high on,, uh, and that you're building. You know, it doesn't even have to, you know, come to fruition and pan out this year. But give me, what's your favorite theme that you yeah, can see really I mean, panning out over the we, next? Time? I
4: mean, we do like blockchain uh, uh, and cloud computing. Uh, I think that's uh, those are areas uh, that we're very, um, you know, very interested in. Um, but. You know, I can't tell you – I i can. I'm pretty confident that over a 15-year period you'll make a lot of money. I just can't promise that uh, you're going to make money in 2022 in these things. You know, I, let me just put something in perspective because this is I, – I don't think people realize this. But think about if you dial back to 1999 uh, and you decide – you know, you were Johnny-come-lately and you said, I wanted to invest in the Internet theme in 1999 – do you know within an eighteen month period you would have had an eighty five percent drawdown from nineteen ninety nine to like two thousand and one, but if you held on and you kept buying internet related stuff and you look back at that holding by two thousand and uh fourteen so fifteen year holding period, you still would have made three hundred percentage points
2: that so, is that's amazing that really puts it in perspective and what just uh for the gains listeners he's jack's talking about basically buying the top of the tech boom, and, and then right. you'd still made money if you if you held it in the long term.
4: Right. And so that's where what, what what I do and what we do with our clients is divide up the portfolio, not so much by stocks, bonds, commodities, currencies, and all that stuff. We just say here's zero to seven-year money, here's seven to 15-year money, and here's 15-year money a year of money and beyond. And if you put all of that in perspective, then, you know, you can sustain a pretty sizable downdraft and know you have the wherewithal to stick with it for, you know, 13, 14, 15 years.
2: You know, as we've, we've entered 2022, you know, there's always new year's resolutions and investors have a ton. And even as I, I had mentioned even earlier, being the degenerate risk taker, I've had to make a shift here. I've even gone into, even though I'm I'm definitely going riskier, because that's what I like. I like the juice, and and I'm reaching for a little bit more riskier yield. But I, even I have changed the, the tactics I've used and, and gotten a little bit more uh, conservative, uh, and that's kind of been my New Year's resolution. Give us a, a couple resolutions that investors should keep in mind, especially as they've turned the page, and maybe a reminder of how markets are. It's been really easy going for a couple of years now. And yeah, uh I, 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 I guess address that.
4: Yeah, I think the one New Year's resolution that I'm ha- that I have that I'm actually articulating to clients is that um you know active management, so looking for that active manager mutual fund or you know, uh is really kind of a fool's errand. Uh two thousand twenty was a great year uh, to be an active manager, because there were clear winners and losers. When you have Netflix and Disney, you know, battling it out head to head, and all of a sudden, you know, all, the, you know, everyone stayed home and watched movies, and all the theme parks closed. You know, I think it was an easy year um, to for stock picking. But 2021, I, I, remarkably, I looked at the top 50 largest U.S. large cap managers. Uh, Representing 1.7 trillion dollars of assets, out of that 50, do you know how many of them beat the S and P 500 in 2021? Only
2: two. Oh my gosh! So only two
4: out of 50. Um, wow. And you know, longer term, these active managers—80, I'm going to say it's between 83 and 85 percent of them fail to beat their benchmark. And so, one of the New Year's resolutions that I have is, I don't think. I want to waste the brain power trying to figure out, you know, the next active, you know, the, the home run mutual fund or, or or manager. I think we're just going to, you know, continue to stick with uh, the passive strategies and ETFs and some of the things we're doing uh, and just, you know, just deliver market performance. I think that's fine.
2: That's really interesting. So Burton Maciel was right all along. The, you know, the, the the random, random walk, walk. Yeah, the random walk down Wall Street. And that just speaks to it because a lot of these money managers, if they can't even beat the S&P, and they're getting paid for this. And this right. it's, it's, it's very telling. Yeah, and that's it. Look,
4: you know, and you, maybe it's not fair to look at one year but in isolation, but the fact is that Even if you give them ten years, you know I think you're looking at between 13 and 15 percent of them uh, that 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 actually achieve what you're hoping they're to achieve. The problem is finding which 15 percent they happen to be, and I'm not sure it's worth the brain power to try.
2: You know, you mentioned that as a New Year's resolution kind of thing. So, what 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 do we learn from you know that eye-opening stat?
4: So what we're going to do is, you know, because we we do a lot of research and we're looking at managers and we're looking at a lot of different things. But I I, I think what we want to do is really spend our research effort really more on the private opportunity side, where there is some some opportunity to outperform, and on the public side, really just stick with you know what we call beta, public market beta, and private market alpha. That's that's really what. Um, you know our our original game plan is, and and uh, we're gonna we're
2: gonna stick with it. I'm really interested now that you've mentioned on the private side, and we're gonna wrap up the uh, Gaines podcast. We're gonna bring Jack on again for sure, and uh, specifically, I want to even talk about some of the things that you're doing on the private side. You mentioned music rights. Give us like four or five things that are kind of unique that people don't think about. I've heard of farmland. I've heard of different investments that, you know, um, uh, storage, storage facilities. Yeah, public storage. Yeah, public yeah. storage. So just to kind of give us a little, you know, get our beak wet, you know, just kind of give us a, a little insight sure. into the public sure. thing, and then we'll bring you back on another time to discuss in greater detail.
4: As we know, the corporate bond market ebbs and flows with the business cycle, it ebbs and flows with, you know, credit conditions, lenders' willingness to extend credit. Um, And so you end up with these, you know, owning corporate bonds, you end up with a, a, you know, we'll call it a business cycle and credit cycle risk. And so... You know, when you look at things like music royalties, and by the way, there are some huge tax advantages also of music royalties, which I wasn't aware of until we started really looking at it closely. But life insurance settlements is another one where you know you're we, we can buy um, life insurance policies from healthy people. We're not you know we're not trying to do these viaticals or anything like that. Right. Right. And um, you know, as uh, you know, as people die over time, these policies pay off. You can see how they're not really leveraged to the business cycle. Uh, Another um, area that we look at is litigation finance. So, you know, if we have a a law firm that, you know, has got a a lawsuit where they think they're going to, you know, the high probability of paying off, uh, we can advance those um, awards to a law firm. Uh, in exchange for, uh, you know, a, a, a decent return. So those are the kinds of things that we'll look at, and they're generating some pretty healthy yields.
2: If somebody had a structure uh, settlement and they needed cash now, would you uh, partake in that as well, so that kind of business?
4: Um, we don't, but I know there are a, a lot of firms that will, and um, but that's the same idea.
2: Yeah. Um, th- that's really interesting, and I'd love, you know, next time we have you on or at some point – To talk about that because I find that area very interesting just different ways of grabbing yield is fascinating and then you've also mentioned uh, themes which you know we're gonna definitely uh, talk about themes in the future with you as well because I I like those thematic strategies yes very very much so so as we wrap up the show any parting shots here, Jack, uh, any advice for the Gaines listener, anything you want to kind of get a, get across as we wrap up today's Gaines podcast?
4: No, I mean, I, like I said, I think finally, um, you know, I think it's all about inflation and the Fed. You know, there are some other risks out there uh, that we haven't talked about. Um, but, you know, obviously, um, you know, there's China uh there's um you know some of the geopolitical stuff between china taiwan uh ukraine iran north korea um you know there's the possibility that inflation you know becomes more persistent and the fed really has to raise rates a lot higher um you know there's the fact that china is also um addressing a uh, a property bubble uh, that they have to uh, reconcile without a hard landing there. So there are some other issues that we're certainly on the lookout for um, that you know we can't certainly uh, you know, discount this year. But all in all, I, I would say you know at least right now I'll, I'll go on record as saying that I think you know U.S. large caps deliver somewhere between a 5 and 10% return in 2022.
2: We can live with those returns, and then we'll, we'll uh, us GAINS listeners, we'll, we'll uh, dig in some other areas. Uh, you know, I just bought a uranium ETF. There, 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 there's definitely, like you said, there's always opportunities. But uh, so, uh, again, thanks for uh, joining us, Jack. Appreciate it.
4: All right. Uh, thank you, Andy. We'll talk soon.
2: That's Jack Avlin, Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital here in Chicago. And as I mentioned, uh, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. We are back on Tuesday, and we will see you then.
3: A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey.